Club Talk Radio. It's a gridiron third show and a promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Calamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad, with your breakfast toast. Well, we're talking about breakfast toast in the intro here, but it is the middle of the afternoon. Uh, If you're just getting up, you live one hell of a lifestyle, uh, and you may indeed want to have your breakfast toast now, but whether you have the breakfast toast now or later or whenever you have it, we are on right now. It's the Gridiron Stud Show, Chad Wilson, Emil Calamino, and it's a football Friday edition on a Thursday How about that? Thursday afternoon. Listen, wait, you live in Miami. You you don't think there's a lot of people that roll out of bed down there around this time? Uh, Listening to this show, maybe not. Maybe not. But, hey, you never know. To each their own. Um, uh, We party down here. At least um, a lot of us do. And so it wouldn't be uh, out of the norm if someone were to stir up and rustle out of bed at 2 p.m. here in Miami. Speaking of Miami, uh, the Dolphins are in the playoffs. Haven't been able to say that for ten years. Yeah, time time flies. You know what I didn't realize the other day? I thought the Dolphins were on a bad streak. Ten years. I didn't realize. You know, it's been like sixteen or seventeen years since the Buffalo Bills have been in the playoffs. You know, I was a little bit amazed by that that they have uh, been so absent from the playoff scene. But when I thought about it, yeah, indeed, they have not been. In the playoffs for well over a decade, that has to that has to change. Come on, no one. Yeah, but you know what happened? You know what happened to guys our age, Chad? We got so in. Uh, we got our our fill of the Buffalo Bills in the 1990s. So in our minds, like we think of those four straight trips to the Super Bowl, like oh yeah, they must have been in the playoffs. But you know, time flies, especially as you get older. And then you you look and you say, wait, it really has been a long time since they've even sniffed the playoffs. Yeah, indeed, it, indeed it has been. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I was a little bit surprised by that nugget that was thrown. I don't exactly remember where I saw that. But uh, the, the predomination of this broadcast is going to be about the NFL and the playoffs since, you know, we're pretty much through – uh, college football, but we will stagger on to that topic at some point here during the next hour, but our job here is to talk to you about the NFL playoffs, and um, you know, uh, folks continue to get after Mike Tomlin. I don't I don't entirely know what, what his crime is, Emil, and perhaps you can help me out with it. Is his crime that he's not Chuck Knoll or Bill Cower? Is that his crime, or what, what 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 did Mike Tomlin do to get people on him? To to piss people off? Is that is that the yeah. question? Um, you, you know, I'm up in the air on, on Tomlin in this sense. There's a lot worse you can do, a lot worse, for an NFL head coach than Tomlin. I mean, obviously, 
you could take a look at his record, and you know he's got a you know a hell of a record by NFL standards. I mean, he, you know, he was won quite a bit. The flip side and the counter to that argument, not you know, obviously I'm in Steeler country up here. You know, Steelers and Eagles are the big teams up in this area. And a lot of Steeler fans say that, you know, look, the guy the guy basically walked in, they handed him a Hall of Fame quarterback who already had a ring. Uh he got there twice with him and he hasn't he hasn't really sniffed it in the last five or six years. They feel like, you know, you get a you know, Roethlisberger's a generational quarterback. You know, you you should be winning more, getting closer to winning it all more often with him. That's the argument. You know, I, I'm not, you know, I don't know. I sense by your tone you don't agree with that. I'm just telling you that's the argument up here. I guess. I, I mean, we act like it's uh, easy to get there or to achieve this. I mean, uh, the great Peyton Manning uh, experienced a lot of heartbreak in this game trying to win Super Bowls and whatnot. So I don't know. I, I mean, what do they think would have happened if Bill Cower had remained, that they would have won two more Super Bowls, three more Super Bowls? Is that what they think? Well, because they, you know, that's, again, I think I think the problem with fans, Chad, and, and we all have to watch ourselves when we put our fan hat on and, and take a step back every once in a while, is you got to remember, every, you know, sport will have a team on occasion – that that defies the odds, okay? And I think fans start to believe, almost like in golf, to give you an analogy, when Tiger Woods was winning all the time, you start to think that that's normal. Hey, everybody wins 10 golf tournaments a year. But it's really not normal. He's just uh, an outlier. Right now in the NFL, you know, we have the Patriots. Um, prior to them in the 90s, we had the Cowboys. Prior to them, we had the Steelers and, and the 49ers. You know, but again, it was one a decade. I think NFL teams don't pe- people don't realize it's very hard. The the reason the Patriots are special is to do what they did is unusual. No different than in uh, basketball to do what the Spurs did in the last 15 years is very unusual. It's hard to win championships. I think fans often forget that. You know, just because you didn't win the championship doesn't mean your team had a bad season. Um, yeah, true, but try telling fans that. You know, they well, just I said, don't, you gotta, don't... You, you, when you're a fan, you got to try to every once in a while pull that hat off and think logically. You know, I've gone in, into this uh, dissertation many times on this show about, you know, take a look at some great franchises, you know, and how long they had between championships. The Yankees have 27 world titles. At one point, they went 17 or 18 years, like 1978 to 1996. The Cowboys are 21 seasons right now. Before them, the Steelers were at 26 seasons back between theirs. I mean, it's hard to win championships. Yeah, and, and, you know, fan bases seem to not be able to understand that. They they just think these things should just be happening, and it doesn't matter who it is. And God forbid if you had won before, they just think you're supposed to keep on winning. It's amazing. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, so, that, that's kind of what they think, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's almost a curse to win a championship now because uh, from this point forward, you're expected to do that every year, and anything short of that is a complete and absolute total failure of a franchise or a program or whatever. And, and, yeah, and I mean, it gets... What's your take, but before you say that, what's your take on Tomlin personally? I mean, I know that, you know, something set you off. What's going on? Well, what set me off is that I'm continuously hearing this criticism of Mike Tomlin, who, by the way, has his team in the playoffs. 
So, uh, and their team finished 11 and 5. Uh, what's the problem? My look, my thoughts on him are this: uh, Is he Chuck Knoll? No, not at the moment. And I'll have to go back and look at Chuck Knoll's, you know, history as coach of the Steelers. I don't think he was just killing it all the way through. Um, is he Bill Belichick? No. But Mike Tomlin's still coaching and will probably coach beyond uh, Bill Belichick's time. So his, you know, his place in history is yet to be set. Uh, that is, of course, unless the fans get really, really loud. He better be fortunate that he works for an organization like the Pittsburgh Steelers that tunes out the fan noise and, and chatter, and they and they tend to stick with their coaches. But uh, my thought is, the guy won a Super Bowl, whether you think he was handed something or not. If people think it's uh, just so easy to coach talented players, oh, he had all the talent, so you shouldn't. you just not coached before. It is as difficult uh, and in some cases, even more difficult to handle um, a team with a lot of talent. And there's a reason why someone like Phil Jackson could win with talented players and a lot of other guys just couldn't make it work. So I don't know all this about you were handed something. Yeah, he took a job and he made it work. And they're in the, they, they get to the playoffs. They win a lot of games. They don't have losing seasons by and large. You want a Super Bowl. I don't know what people want from this guy. You could be the Cleveland well, Browns. You could Cincinnati Bengals. You could be what I could go through here and start naming some franchises where a coach took over uh, and had some things in place and it just didn't work out. So I don't get the criticism. Well, let's let's tackle it in two parts. I think one thing fans have to understand is every coach is going to have his strong suit that that he's really good at. And you you take that and you accept that, you know, nobody is perfect. Even Belichick you know, what helps to mask any deficiency he may have is in big games he's had Brady. There'll be people that say, oh, yeah, but he won He had won 10 or 11 games with Matt Castle and this and that. Very true, but he never won a Super Bowl without Brady. That, that will mask any deficiency because he's had one of the greatest quarterbacks, if not the greatest ever. So even he's going to have his weak parts. Now, Bill Belichick, to me, is a great talent evaluator running an organization, uh, X and O's. He's not necessarily. I would. I, I'm not. He's not a rah rah guy. I think a guy like Tomlin, where he's great, is he'll get his players to run through a wall for him. And I think Steeler right. fans forget that's that's his strong suit. Now, there's times like, listen, I'll tell you this year in that Dallas game, he went for two points like five times. There's things he does that will perplex you, but you have to accept that every coach is is gr- every great coach has a strong suit and. A weakness. I mean, Jimmy Johnson was a great motivator and talent talent evaluator. I wouldn't call Jimmy Johnson a great tactician necessarily. I mean, I watched right. him lose with Miami to Penn State in that 1986 game where he clearly had the better players. But Penn State right. was dropping seven and eight guys into coverage, and he threw the ball. Bill Walsh would have would have cried if if, if he, he yeah. would have cried watching that game. Look, you know. Okay. Uh, got ushered out of some playoff games. Uh, New York Giants laid some hammerings on Bill Walsh. I mean, you play this game, you lose. You know, it happens. Yeah. Oh, no, listen, it, it happens. You're, you're not going to win every game. It's the NFL. To your point about coaches, that's what I was going to say. You were saying Phil Jackson. I, I always break coaches in professional sports especially. There's two groups of great coaches. There's the guys that will build something but they just can't get it quite over the top. 
So if you have a team that's down in the dumps, they absolutely stink. You want this guy, like a Marty Schottenheimer. He was great at building something that wasn't great into something very good. Larry Brown in basketball, okay? Then there's guys that maybe they're not your guy if you have nothing. They're not interested in that. But if you have a great team, you'll win championships with them. To me, that's Phil Jackson. You know, if I have garbage, I'm not sure I want Phil Jackson coaching it. But if I, you know, I'm not sure he's going to build it into something. But if I have a really good team that I want to get to the next level and win the championship, I like Phil Jackson. In baseball, I like Joe Torre. You know, is Joe Torre the guy I want managing the Tampa Buck, Tampa Rays when they have 65 wins and they need to get to somehow figure out how to get to 90? Probably not. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm a I'm a I'm a New Yorker, so I remember the Joe Torre before the Yankees days. They, you wouldn't have called him a great manager, you know. So I do remember. No, that. because that to me that was not his skill set. Joe was not a guy that wanted to take a bunch of young players and develop them necessarily. And, and and watch them mature like Joe Madden did and go from 65 wins to 72 wins to 80 wins. Joe was a guy you brought in when you had your team at 85 wins and they were ready to take that next step. Like when you know, Jeter was in place, you know, and then he brought the veterans with him and he knew how to manage that. Right. Well, the same way you won't have Phil Jackson um, build a team. You know what I mean? That's not his thing. When you've got it there, right? Uh, he can manage those personalities better than anyone else. So he can get you to the top, he can get you over that hump, and he can keep you there probably longer than most. And people just need to realize that about coaches slash managers. Some can build, um, some can build and, and take it all the way to the top, and probably more than likely will get there and soon thereafter come down off the hill. Others um, can take you over the hump after someone else has built it and keep you there for a while. And then you got some guys there that just all they can do is build, but then they need to exit before and, and give way to someone else. And that's right. And that's and that's in everything, Chad. You could take a business, right? There's people that start businesses. There's entrepreneurs that are great. They get the thing humming, but they're not going to be the guy to run that company once it goes public. Then you bring in a professional manager. Because it's a different skill set. One guy is a risk taker, has the ideas, knows how to get it going. The other person, you know, wasn't going to ever start the business on their own. That's not their skill set. But once the business was humming, they'll take it to the next level. That's how you got to look at sports teams. And I think fans have to understand when you have a good coach that's won a Super Bowl, you know, you got more than most teams. So be happy. Be happy that you got a guy who wins. The best way for, for someone to look at this is to use the baseball analogy. There are very few guys that are going to throw complete games. Um, there are starting pitchers and there are relievers. Um, and, and, and sometimes you need a middle reliever to hand it off to a closer. And that's, that's just how this thing works. Um, very few guys are going to go one through nine innings and shut it down for 40. That's uh, just not how that works. Right. You got, sometimes you got to bring in the closer. That's right. That's right. But I, I mean, I don't think Tomlin, he's closed the deal once. I mean, he won a Super Bowl. He lost the Super Bowl to Aaron Rodgers. There's no shame in that. Um, I think Steeler fans, for some reason, think that, you know, they haven't been to the Super Bowl for the past five seasons. 
So this will be, you know, the, the 2010 oh, season was the last time they made it. That's not that long. Jesus, good grief. Must be the worst thing in the world. I could start right. rattling off some NFL cities right now that want Steeler fans to shut all the way the hell up. <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> Believe me, I know. I'm with you. So, uh, But you asked for an explanation. I tried to give you an explanation. That's yeah, all. I, I hear you, and you're right. But you think the folks in Buffalo would like the Pittsburgh fans to put the shut to the up? <laughs> How about the folks in Miami? You, the, the Miami Dolphins, they haven't been to the Super Bowl. I hate to bring this up. I think since, what, 1984 season? Am I wrong? The Dolphins, yes. It's been yes. that long. The 90s have come and gone. Yes. The 2000s have come and gone. The 2010s are here. Still nothing. So us folks down here want to take our shades off now and just tell the fans in Pittsburgh, take your terrible towel and shove it straight down your mouth. And also, yeah. shut to I'm with you. I'm with you. But no. Tom Tomlin's fine there. They're not getting rid of Mike Tomlin anytime soon in Pittsburgh. Uh, they've only had three coaches since 1969, him being the third. So he's safe. Yeah, so uh, boo-hoo, you can cry all you want. I guess it makes for good radio talk. But uh, let's lay off of Tomlin for a little while. I guess you're entitled to your opinion. Um, and uh, I guess if they're not in the Super Bowl over the last five years, you're free to criticize. I guess that's what fandom is all about. Emil, I have a, I'm a little disappointed by this. I don't have our predictions from the NFC for some reason. I had the AFC predictions we did before the season sitting right here looking at me, but for the life of me, I can't find the NFC predictions that we did. I don't understand how that happened, but it, uh, it well, I, I know, I know a few things. I know in the NFC West, you were still on Seattle. So uh, you were right there because I know that my pick was Arizona, and I, I distinctly remember that because I had them going to the Super Bowl. Uh, I know in the NFC East, you had the Giants winning it at like 10, at, at 12 and 4, and the Cowboys second at like 10 and 6, I want to say. And I had the Cowboys winning it at either 10 and 6 or 11 and 5, and the Giants second by a game. So we were both kind of close right there. Um, that was my general recollection of the NFC. I forget. Where we went with that north, I think both of us might have had the Vikings winning the division before the Bridgewater injury. So, yeah, uh, I was feeling kind of good about Minnesota, but uh, you know, obviously things happen as they will from time to time. So let's just, you know what? Since I have the uh, AFC here, let's just talk about what uh, what we did in the AFC. And I'm not going to spend a whole bunch of time on this, but it is kind of funny to look back on it. Um, starting with Buffalo, because we did this uh, alphabetically, um, the Buffalo Bills, you and I both had them at 8-8. Eight eight. It ended up being a 7-9 and nine football team. We weren't expecting much from this team, didn't expect them to be in the playoffs, and they didn't do that. And uh, I think we might have even discussed Rex Ryan being let go, and that is indeed what uh, happened here. Uh, you and I were dead. Yeah, we're, we we well, we pretty much nailed them. I mean, they were seven and nine, and frankly, you know, they were sitting right there. They could have made us look like geniuses as far as handicapping the Buffalo Bills go if they won that last game. No, we I think we we both felt they'd be kind of a mediocre football team. That's usually what Rex cranks out our mediocre football teams, and uh, you know, they were pretty much th- just that this season. Yeah, ended up ended up being that the defensive coordinator got fired, and it gave them an initial spark. But at the end of the day. Buffalo Bills gave up 378 points 
this season, and that was uh, enough to make them 7-9. You and I were both dead wrong on this next team. It's the uh, Miami Dolphins who will be playing in a playoff game uh, this weekend. You and I both had them at 6-10. They ended up 10-6, Amo. That's one of the biggest surprises of the NFL season for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Adam Gase did a nice job down there. Uh, you got to like some things they did. It was it was a good year. If you're a Dolphin fan, I mean, I know they don't want to hear this, but this game this week is gravy. I mean, don't be disappointed. I mean, hey, maybe they pull the upset, but even if they don't, uh, they had a good year, and hopefully they build on it going into 2017. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a a tough deal for them, but you know, we'll talk more about that later. Uh, you and I were high on the Patriots, not high enough though. They ended up 14 and two in the season. I had them at 10 and six. You had them at 11 and five. Uh, clearly, we had them winning this division, which they did. We weren't really going out on a limb by saying that. That's just been par for the course for uh, over a decade now. They, you know, continue to dominate, but they dominated it in a, a bigger way than we expected. Yeah, because the the big surprise for me with the New England Patriots this season was. I don't think anybody saw the Patriots leading the NFL in points allowed with only 250 points allowed this year. The Patriots, therefore. No, and you know, I think sometimes we all can get caught up in this. Even someone like you who looks at film more than the average person by, by far, we watch the Patriots defensively, and they sometimes don't have a lot of guys that just jump off film to you. I mean, they don't have the Khalil Max or the Beasleys, yeah, but they play. They, they don't have an explosive player, but again, they they put sound, it together. Well. Yeah, they're exactly. sound. They they play their assignments. They tackle people in open space. They don't screw up. Like you know, you could have all the Vic Beasleys you want, and he's going to make those explosion plays and sack the quarterback and get fumbles and all that good stuff. But guess what? If you got ten other guys or even him himself not always playing their assignment, it also allows big plays and points. And the Patriots just—they don't do that. They just—they—they're sound, and that—I that, think that's what led to that fourteen and two record. Not as much the offense; they did what we expected, but I don't think we expected that kind of defense from them. No, not at all. Um, and so, you know, uh, we were we were wrong on that one. Uh, we were dead wrong on this next one too. The New York Jets. Um, we uh, both had them at ten and six. They weren't that. They were a disaster and finished at five and eleven. Yeah, we got suckered in by that Harvard bearded Harvard quarterback. <laughs> I don't know what made us think that he would ever repeat last season. To that level with this guy at quarterback. Yeah, I don't know. We were off there. Something went. Something was haywire in our minds. It must have been the summer sun when we were doing that. Yeah, definitely missed on that one. So uh, we, not much more you could say about that. In the uh, in the north, uh, Baltimore. I had them at seven and nine. They were nine and seven. Uh, <laughs> depends on how you want to look at it. They ended up eight and eight, right in between what both you and I thought. Yes. Yes, right in between. We middled that one. Um, you know, I think we were both kind of feeling what they were. I mean, you know, within a game, they, they, we, we felt they'd be your average run-of-the-mill NFL team. You know, they'd win some games they shouldn't win. They'd lose some games they shouldn't lose. And in the end, they pretty much were that. So it's not like we were that far off. No, absolutely not on that. Cincinnati. Uh, now, that's, that's uh, where uh, at least – 
I had a problem. I expected a whole lot more out of Cincinnati than what uh, we ended up getting. I had them at 11 and 5. You had them at 9 and 7. Cincinnati ends up at 6, 9, and 1. Total disappointment there. I don't know where Cincinnati goes from here. Uh, you know, I, I think their time, their time to shine has kind of come and gone. I like that. I think the windows closed on them there, and uh, I'm I'm not sure how they rejuvenate that thing. Yeah, well, I think at some point in the NFL, rarely you know do guys last as long as Marvin Lewis. Um, it's sometimes the message gets stale. He may be ready to to move on to a different program that he starts from scratch. I think you know he's obviously a good NFL head coach, and somebody'd be happy to have him. The message may be getting stale there. I also think they have a quarterback there that, while he's competent and you can be competitive with him, I'm not sure Dalton is ever a guy that's going to get you to that next level. I mean, they haven't won a playoff game. I think they were 12-4 and last season, and yet they still lost that crazy playoff game where the Steelers beat them, I think, with the backup quarterback before they went to Denver and uh, lost with Roethlisberger coming back. So, um you know, I'm just not sure that, that Dalton's the answer there. Yeah, uh, and that's going to be the prevailing opinion on, on this whole thing. Uh, Andy Dalton's probably going to be the one to bear a, a whole a whole lot of the blame for this. So, and, and they'll shed someone Marvin Lewis's way uh, as well. There was some talk as, you know, possibly he would uh, be in the hot seat. Cleveland, uh, we're both wrong. I was majorly wrong. On Cleveland, I actually had these guys at seven and nine. Bought into the whole RG three might give them a spark thing. No sparks. One and fifteen. They avoided being uh, the second team in NFL history to go zero and sixteen in a season uh, when they upset the San Diego Chargers. But uh, another terrible season for the Cleveland Browns. You had them at four and twelve. You uh, felt that they would be uh, a disaster. No, no. I, that was I had them having a good year. That's a good year for the Browns. Yeah, you you uh, had them quadrupling what they actually put out there for winning. Yes. <laughs> Way off. Four and twelve. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's um, where we were good. Here's where we're good. Pittsburgh Steelers. I nailed their final record at eleven and five. You had them at twelve and four. Either way, we both predicted them to. Uh, well, no. You know, actually, I think I had Cincinnati being the uh, winner of the, of this conference. I mean, this division. Um, you had Pittsburgh as a winner. So you were right in that regard. I nailed the final record. You nailed them as the winners of this division. So uh, we are both did some good work there on Pittsburgh. Uh, we're both believers in Mike Tomlin, I guess. Well, the other thing I like with the Steelers is the way the NFL is situated right now. You know, obviously the first thing you need to figure out in the NFL is, a, is quarterback to have a chance at all. The Steelers have, you know, a future Hall of Famer in Roethlisberger. And then when you give give them – one of the two or three best running backs in the league and, you know, one of the two or three best receivers in the league, you can win a lot of football games with that formula in, in today's league. And I, so I just I didn't see how the Steelers were not going to be a very good team this year, and that's where they ended up. Yeah, so uh, good work by both of us there. Houston, I was wrong on. I had, I had Houston finishing at 6-10 and 10 this season. You had them at 10-6. and six. You were obviously clearly closer. They ended up at 9-7. and seven. I didn't not have them winning this division. You had them winning this division, and that's exactly how this thing ended up for them. Uh, so, I well, thought Brock Osweiler, 
I mean, I'm not, my pick was purely based on the division and the defense. I mean, I, I didn't know what to make of the rest of the Houston Texans, but I figure, listen, they have enough good players on defense in the worst division in the NFL, in my opinion. Um, still, I don't care what the record says. It's just a bad division of average teams, although Tennessee has improved enough. We'll get to them to make it a better, you know, maybe it's not the worst division. But nonetheless, I just thought the defense would would be would win this division for them. That's all. Yeah, um, I, I thought uh, I expected Brock Osweiler to be a disaster, and he was, but they won anyway. So kudos to you for um, realizing Osweiler wasn't going to be the guy, but that they had enough there to, you know, manage and get to the top of what is an, um, a very mediocre division. Indianapolis, I had them at seven and nine. You had them at seven and nine. They ended up at eight and eight, so we pretty much pegged those guys. Uh, Jacksonville, we both had them at six and ten. Um, they were three and thirteen. Like what's? I, I don't know. Were they the best three and thirteen team you've seen? I just they just didn't feel like three. They fought a lot harder than I expected. Yeah, but you know when you get to the the end of the the line and you really look back and people like to say that they have some nice pieces I think individually on defense and we'll see if where that takes them as far as Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack, and some guys they have there. I thought they overpaid for Malik Jackson in free agency and at the end of the day they gave up 400 points. So you could talk about the defense all you want, but they're giving up 25 points a game. And that's not going to get it done. And Blake Borrell still throws a lot of picks. And, you know, I don't know what to make of this franchise. Yeah. Um, they've got to get they've got to get something going. You know, they've just got to get something going there with them. So, um, Chad, that's oh, an know, odd place to have a franchise. I think that's one of the problems. I mean, if you really want to talk about relocating franchises, which is a whole off-season show with, with what's going on in all these out west, this is a franchise to me that's primed to be re- relocated. Jacksonville, back in the 60s, may have been a hub before air conditioning when people still wanted to stay far enough north down there because it got so damn hot down where you are. But Jacksonville is just not an NFL city anymore. You know, maybe 50 years ago it would have been, but but it's just not. Yeah, uh, not that. Uh, I don't know where they move, you know, so – uh, we'll find a place for them. I'm sure there's. I'm sure there's a city we're not thinking of clearly off the top of our head that could support this team and this franchise better and be more attractive to free agents than Jacksonville. Yeah. Uh, continue to slide along here, Tennessee. Um, I, I was uh, closer to what they were than you were on this. I had Tennessee at eight and eight. Uh, had them winning the division, which they came pretty close to doing. They ended up with the same record as you. Yeah. Uh, finishing nine and seven. Uh, who knows what would have happened in that last week with without uh, you know with Mariota being available? Um, you had them at five and eleven. Tennessee looks like they're on their way to doing some things. It'll be interesting to see what what happens with them in two thousand and seventeen. Yeah, I like I like uh, I like this club going forward. I think Mariota ended up being a lot better than I think I anticipated him being at this level. He's really he's really come into his own. Um, Derrick Henry should do well. He, you know, we kept saying, boy, he, he fits Dallas's scheme. If you remember our shows where we, where we went yeah. through the draft, we both said, you know, Henry fits Dallas's scheme. Well, lo and behold, you know, they've built a scheme down there very close to Dallas's. I mean, it's a lot of straight ahead running, 
they have two really good young tackles and uh, Taylor Luian. How do you say his name? Luan and something like that. Yeah, and they have Jake Conklin from Michigan State on the other side. So they're blowing people off the ball. DeMarco Murray re-energized his career this year. And I think going to next year, maybe they start to transition Henry into a bigger role down there. I, I like some of the pieces they put together. Yeah, the draft will be big for Tennessee uh, if they want to build off of what they've done this year. In the NFC, in the AFC West, uh, we both picked Kansas City to win this division. And you know what? They kind of they won on a technicality, I would say. You know, uh, you know, Oakland was right there with them, um, and probably should have been the winners of this division. But you know, unfortunate things happened there for Oakland uh, with their quarterback, same deal as as Tennessee, but. You know, by default, we'll take the win. We both had them at 10 and 6. Well, yeah, wait, wait. O- Oakland was 12 and 3 going into the last week of the season, and, and Kansas City was 11 and 4. Even with Derek Carr, there's nothing to guarantee that Oakland beats Denver. It's not like they lost to Jacksonville without Carr. There's nothing to guarantee that they win at Denver in that last game, and that's really what cost them the division. So I'm not taking a technicality, I'm taking a full handicapping. Uh, bow in front of the audience for picking Kansas City. You can be humble. I'm not. So be it. Go ahead with your bad self on that one. Oakland, uh, we, we expected a better year for Oakland. We expected them to move in the right direction. Uh, they they moved harder than we thought. We both had them at 9-7. and seven. They ended up at 12-4. and four. A great season uh, for the Raiders. Really wish that David Carr thing uh, didn't happen. Or Derek Carr. No, yeah, that. who doesn't? I mean, it ruined the AFC playoffs as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I would have really enjoyed, you know, I think the AFC would have been a nice playoff because I think they have three good teams up top, and Oakland would have been the fourth, and I think we would have gotten a great divisional round in the AFC, and and, and that injury to me has really turned, the, you know, basically whoever New England plays in that divisional round, I fully expect them to, to just, you know, paddywhack them, as you like to say. Uh, yeah, Paddywhack. I've been known to to use that one, but we'll see if they can find something from somewhere. But Derek Carr was a really big part of what they did, and it's you know sad to see that happen. San Diego, you were closer on San Diego than me. Uh, nine and seven for some reason. I had them. We were adamant. We fought about this one, and it ends up that you were right. Uh, you had them at four and twelve. I had them at nine and seven. The Chargers were a five and eleven football team. I think you asked if I was drinking when I. They were nine. It's going to be nine and seven. Well, you know what I specifically remember is the first game of the season. For a while, they were they were beating the Chiefs in Kansas City. It was like twenty-seven to three, and I think I'm not sure if you had texted me during the game or whatever. Yeah, and then slowly by the end of the game, they had blown that lead, lost in overtime, and and I just said, hold on, because here come your San Diego Chargers. <laughs> Yeah, and it was all downhill from there, my friend. And their claim to fame in the 2016 season will be that one stroke in the win column for the Cleveland Browns. Congratulations. Um, their their 5-11 uh, their season resulted in the firing of my ex-teammate at Long Beach State, Mike McCoy, who was probably overwhelmed there. Uh, you know, the experience for him. We'll see if he gets another opportunity. But um, this is a franchise – Emil, that is still trying to recover after having fired Marty Schottenheimer uh, after a 14-2 and two season. They've never recovered from that. Yeah, they're doing that. They're still recovering from that move where they expected, you know, they, that year they went 14-2. and two. Wasn't that when they lost the home 
divisional playoff game to New England. It was like a very tight yeah. ball game. They might have lost like 24-21, and I think they had the number one seed. They fired Schottenheimer after that that season ended, and that's a, you know that's where you got to refrain from being impulsive hey, in the NFL. Sometimes. Yeah. Pardon um, me. No, no, no. I, I, I got you on that. Um, yeah, they're still trying to recover from that. They would have had to have fired Schottenheimer by now. Um, there's, a, there's reports out there that he suffered from a bit of Alzheimer's, so they would have had to move on from him. Just not after a 14 and two season. By God. No. No. You know. No, and they don't know Chad. Where are they going to be playing next year? That's the other question. That franchise has some other issues. Just going into the off season with attracting free agents. Are they going to be playing in San Diego? Are they going to be playing in Los Angeles? Where are they going to be playing? No one, no one knows, it seems. Who the heck knows? Need a new coach, need a new stadium, need a new town. Chargers need a lot of new things, uh, so we'll have to see. You and I, were, uh, we were spot on with Denver. We didn't think they would be able to get back to the, uh, to the playoffs, let alone the, the, you know, the championship, the Super Bowl. We didn't think that would happen. Both had them at eight and eight and uh they finished off at nine and seven i would say we kind of really nailed that one despite being a one game off i think we nailed it I oh no no we, there was a lot of faith being placed in in john elway the executive like he you know listen if john elway was 30 and he could go play quarterback for the broncos i might have liked him to go back to the super bowl but uh not with what they had at quarterback uh there's just too much weight being placed on that defense to win win games, you know, 20 to 17 every week. And you're just, that's not the way the NFL is anymore. You just, you're not going to win every week like that. Yeah. Um, and so it didn't, it didn't happen for them. So that's that on uh, how we predicted this thing. We were good some places. We were uh, not so good in some other places. That's typically how it goes. When I sit here and look at the playoff lineup that we had, your, your six playoff teams were Pittsburgh, right? New England, right? Kansas City, right? Houston, right? Jets? Yeah, no. Oakland? Yeah. So you got five out of six playoff teams. Did I really? Yeah, you did. That surprised me. Yeah, you were one wow. better than me on that. Uh, I had Cincinnati wrong. New England, yeah. Kansas City, no. Actually, I was only three out of six. You're pretty good at this preseason picking thing. Cincinnati was a no. New England, yeah. Casey, yeah. Tennessee, no. Um, I lost on a Probably a technicality there. Pittsburgh, yeah, and then the New York Jets. No, we both had the Jets in the postseason. Heavy drinking. Well, that, with that, that, that should probably negate all our picks. Just putting the Jets in the postseason should probably disqualify us. Well, it's all right because I'm looking at my uh, AFC championship game of Cincinnati versus Kansas City with Cincinnati winning and just wondering what was the cocktail of choice on the day that I put this together. You're well, still alive and you Pittsburgh well, I have Pittsburgh, but who do I have them playing? Kansas City. Something that could happen. Because I'm telling you, I'm not ready to just go ahead and slide New England through this whole thing. No, I, well, I know you're not, in, but I think you almost have to assume they're going to be in the AFC title game because if you look at their potential divisional round matchups, I don't see any team right now out of that group that's walking into New England and winning. We'll just have to see. Uh, you know, Tom and the boys are on a mission. Kind of tired of seeing it. We live in this era where it was just rinse and repeat. Alabama, New England. Alabama, New England. Alabama, New England. We need some excitement here, don't we? Yeah, well, 
I, I'm not ready to rinse and repeat it. I agree with you. I think the AFC title game could be very interesting. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to win the AFC, but I almost think I expect to see them in the AFC title game due to the way the AFC shook out in terms of that car injury and, and you know, what's going on with some of the teams that snuck into the playoffs there. So, But, no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not just ready to put them in the Super Bowl yet. Yeah, well – uh, well, that's that was our preseason predictions on the AFC. Hopefully, I could run into where we uh, to those NFC predictions, and if I do, address it on our next show. We need to talk about these games this weekend. Emil and I are going to pick every one of the games in the playoffs. We're going to do that, and uh, when we get back from this short break, we'll talk about who we like this weekend. We'll do that, and we'll return on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! Just think in 
in the uh, postseason, you got to be right at that quarterback position. And uh, you also got to be pretty good to uh, start laying more than a field goal. And I just don't think that's Houston right now. This was a 9-7 and seven team during the season. Um, you still don't know who your quarterback is. What's the latest? Is it going to be Osweiler? I think that's who it's going to be, correct? It, it's Osweiler. I don't. Osweiler's not a three and a half a guy you go three and a half point favorite with, uh, even with the Raiders not having their guy. They're going with Connor Cook, uh, a rookie. There will be uh, a. This is one of those things where it's a change in tendencies. I've talked about that a lot this year, uh, and I think that's going to be the situation here for the Texans, just not being so sure as to what the Raiders are going to do with a Connor Cook at quarterback. And I think for one game, the Raiders can get a bump out of it. I don't know what they do next week, but I like the Raiders here as a three-and-a-half-point underdog. I'm just not going to be in the business of laying more than a field goal with Brock Osweiler under center. Just not going to do it. You know, here, here, here's where I come down on this game. This, to me, is probably, for me at least, the most difficult game of the weekend to handicap. They played earlier in the season in, in Mexico City. With everybody at full strength, the Raiders won 27-20. It was actually a tight ball game. Um, Houston moved the football in that game. My concern with the Raiders to begin with was they were a team this year, at least, built to win shootouts. Um, Their talent on defense is either young and they're missing key pieces, you know, that they still need to build on. I mean, sure, they have a Khalil Mack. He'll sack the quarterback 15 times in a year, but... You know, they they don't have a ton surrounding him. Joseph was a nice added safety, but it's not a great defensive club. They were built to win shootouts. The last time I saw Connor Cook on a big stage was in the national semifinal last year as uh, Michigan State got beat 38 nothing, I believe, by Alabama. He didn't figure Alabama. out Alabama. Alabama. Yeah, he didn't figure, Alabama. Yeah, Alabama. He didn't figure out their defense. Houston is in the top five in the NFL in defense. I am going to swallow very hard. They give up 301 yards a game, the Texans, which is not much in today's NFL. I'm going to swallow hard and take the Texans, not because I think they're going to go and score 30 points. I don't. But I think there's enough turnovers and short fields in this game where you're going to get a very boring confused Oakland quarterback, confused offense. It's going to have to be plain vanilla. And I think te- the Texans will win a game something like 19-10. I think you're going to get some short fields, some interceptions that lead to easy scores, where Houston doesn't have to do a lot offensively to cover this. Yeah, I, I think this Oakland offense is going to be so much more different uh, with O'Connor Cook that I, I'm just going to rely on it. That's going to throw the Texans completely off. Um, you know, Oakland's going to do some things that I think Houston's just not going to be ready for and we'll just have to see how that goes uh, you're not going to get me fighting you on this i'm reluctant chad i mean this is a game where i have to make a pick we're doing a show i have a hard time i could be easily sold on your side with the raiders i think this game is is one of the tougher games because of the uncertainty for both teams at the quarterback position yeah uh next one we've got detroit traveling to uh seattle who's going first on this uh, well, let's start with the first of all, the Seahawks are an eight-point favorite. It's a night game in Seattle. Certainly, you know, not a great venue if you're if you're the Lions. It's, it's a tough it's a tough assignment here. But let, let's look at the Lions. They they come in on a three-game losing streak to the Giants, the Cowboys, and then last week at home the Packers. Uh, 
probably, you know, three of the six or seven best teams in the NFL this year, they lost to. So I, I wouldn't lose all faith in the Lions. Uh, Jim Caldwell got a vote of confidence. He'll be back next year. I think that adds some certainty, something you you know you don't want to have over your head going into a playoff game. And eight points is a lot for the way the Seahawks are playing right now. I think if the Lions can avoid kicking the ball around, you know, coming out and playing sloppy, and stay in this game the first quarter and a half, you know, don't get behind by 14 or 17 points where you have to become absolutely one-dimensional. I, I think the back door will be opened, and I just, I, I'm, I'm not seeing Seattle as a club offensively right now that can blow you out unless you help them the way the Carolina Panthers did a few weeks ago in that Sunday night game where they got B40 to seven and they were turning it over and kicking it around. I think if Detroit can avoid that, they'll be in this game and I'll take the Lions plus eight here. Yeah, here's another game that we're going to differ on. Um, when I sit here and listen to you talk about the Seattle Seahawks, you're, uh, you're right about the things that you're saying. They just have not looked like that kind of team. Um, that could go and blow teams out. And with that being said, the odds makers have still made the Seattle Seahawks an eight-point favorite in this game. Um, I've seen this through my years. Um, Championship-type teams, uh, teams of this ilk, will look a certain kind of way in the regular season, and then, boom, they change into something, almost like they go in a phone booth in, in, you know, right before the postseason. I don't believe Seattle's going to be able to make their way through this entire playoffs and end up in a, another Super Bowl, but I wouldn't be surprised if they somehow pull that off. I know this week you get in a Lions team that has just not been able to handle themselves against the better teams of the NFL. They're green so far as playoff experience comes, and then they're opening up in probably the toughest venue uh, in, in the NFC right now. Um, say, you know, maybe maybe Green Bay. Uh, and I just don't like their chances there. I don't like the way M- Matt Stafford is playing right now. Um, I'm not in love with what they're doing in the run game. I just think points are going to be a little hard for the Lions to come by. And they may hang around for a good three quarters in this contest. And then um, out of desperation, things fall apart for them in that fourth quarter. Things get loud. Um, and Seattle ends up doing a couple of things in that fourth quarter where they end up eventually covering this number and end up winning by, you know, 12 to 14 points. And, you know, one of those where you smack yourself in the head. So uh, that's, that's why. Well, you know, it's funny you say that, that I think that that's one thing I'm always concerned about in playoff games is uh, because it's a game, it's a winner go home teams. When they get behind late in the game, will get out of character. So it can kind of hurt a point spread type play because, in the regular season, if you're down 10 with five minutes left, you may punt the football, figuring, well, maybe we can score and win and get back in the game. But if not, I'm okay if we lose this game respectably because I can build on it for the following week. Nobody cares about that in the playoffs. Um, sure. It's like, you know what, whether I get beat uh, 40-20 to 20 or 27-20, I'm going home. So teams get out of character, and sometimes, as you point out, in the fourth quarter, things happen where, where the wheels fall off for a team that's like a Detroit. So I am concerned about that, but I'm, I'm going to stick with my Lions here, plus eight. Les will be happy. I think you have a situation here where, in theory, you're going to be right about this game, but you could end up in practice being wrong about it. So, you know, the Lions right. are a better team than being an eight-point underdog, but, you know, through uh, circumstances at the end of the game, they end up losing the game and, and by the point spread. So I don't think I'm going to go with that old thing. Um, 
the old theory of if you don't think the team can win, then you probably um, don't want to take them point spread wise. Um, and I just don't think the Lions can beat the Seahawks. And so, you know. No, I understand. Right. You know, you know, you know. Last week, Chad is what what got me. If Seattle had taken care of business last week the way I expected them to, I'd probably be on them. But that was a game where had they lost, you know, had they lost to San Francisco, they were dropping down into a four seed situation. Okay. Um, which is, you know, they're in a better spot now by winning. They played a terrible San Francisco team, playing for nothing, who's about to fire their coach, and they had to hang on for dear life to win a 25-23 game. And I know you could say, well, it's not a playoff game, but it had big playoff implications in the last game of the season. I expected a better effort. They have me scared right now, spooked. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally understand. I was thinking that while the game was going, and I just – it's a, the regular season. I don't know that it gets Seattle all fired up. If we could jump over to what happened during the college football season, Clemson was messing around all year. Eventually ended up with them losing to Pittsburgh. And then the next week they're playing Wake Forest, a team they should absolutely destroy 56 to nothing. I mean, for crying out loud, before they lost to Pittsburgh, they beat Syracuse 54 to nothing. Uh, they beat Boston College 56 to 10. So everything in the world says you should have gone out and done the same thing to Wake Forest. And they ended up in a 35-13 game to them. So you could have written off uh, Clemson right after that. And then what do they do in their first-round game? Uh, they go and punch Ohio State right in the mouth. And I think in in a postseason situation, Seattle, a strong um, and experienced team, may indeed just do that. We'll have to see where this falls. But two games in. Sure, sure. On the opposite side here. Now, now we go game the Sunday games, the one o'clock game. We're in Pittsburgh. You mentioned Pittsburgh, only the Panthers. Well, now the Steelers are home playing your hometown, Miami Dolphins. They've installed the Steelers as a ten-point favorite at home. You know, uh, we make point spread predictions here. If I was going to predict something in this game, I think the game is going to go under the total. I think we're going to get a lower-scoring game than what we got the first time around. Both teams ran the ball very, very well in, in their meeting earlier this year. I think, um, obviously, the game plan is going to be to limit, you know, all of the gaps and breakdowns that each team had um, in their rush defense. It's going to probably force this into an air attack type of game, um, which, you know, I don't necessarily feel like Miami will get blown off the field. The Dolphins play good defense. Um, it has not been all about the quarterback for them this year, so it's not a situation like the like the Raiders where uh, your quarterback's gone, oh, what the hell are you going to do? The Dolphins, and, and, and Matt, they've had Matt Moore behind there before. I think they'll do enough to hang around in this game, um, and uh, good old Mike Tomlin will get his criticism. Now, this is going to fly in the face of what I just said about if I don't think the team can win, you can't really go picking them in point spread-wise, but we're dealing with a double-digit spread here in this one. And uh, for some reason, Abel, I think this game will be close enough for the Dolphins to steal one in the back door at the end. I just don't see the Steelers yeah. running away with it. Well, ding, ding, ding. We finally agree here because here's the thing that a couple things with this game, the more I looked at it. You know, my first inclination when I saw the Lions earlier this week was to stay, take the Steelers. But then I started looking, okay. In, in the NFL, don't get me wrong, wins are wins. Most of the games are close. But here's the last five Steelers scores. 
Giants 24-14, Bills 27-20, Bengals 24-20, Ravens 31-27, and I won't even count last week, even though it was a three-point game. My point is, the Steelers have been winning, and that's what all you do in the NFL, but it's not like they've been doing anything to justify being a double-digit favorite. And you look at this game, it's a situation where you've got a very public team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Probably the only more public team in the NFL is the Cowboys. And what I mean by that is people in Vegas who are there on vacation love to bet public teams. Steelers, Cowboys, Packers, uh, 49ers when they're good. I think this line's a little bit inflated. I think Matt Moore is 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 probably a, a good quarterback for the situation. He doesn't seem to just throw the ball around all willy-nilly. Maybe they'll they'll be very persistent with pounding Jay Ajay up in there, shortening the game. I, I like the 10 points here. I think the Steelers will, will eke it out at the end, but I think this game may keep some Steeler fans on the edge of their seats into the fourth quarter. Yeah, uh, and, and, you know, that's uh, we obviously feel the same way about this. And so it comes down to uh, what I think is the most interesting game of the uh, – NFL wildcard weekend, and that's the Giants at 11-5 and five taking on the Packers. Uh, I'm going to be interested in seeing which way you, uh, you, you go on this one, and, and you're first up. So what are your thoughts on this? So, well, the line here is four and a half, and this is another um, situation where I think the media has got out over their skis a little bit. The popular narrative right now is nobody wants to play the Green Bay Packers because they've won six in a row, and they have. I mean, no doubt about that. I mean, they they got up off the mat, and they won six in a row. In there, you know, the only win that really raises an eyebrow for me is when they blew out Seattle, and kudos to them that game. They tur- they got six turnovers from the Seahawks. Their defense was very good that day. You get six turnovers, you're going to win by 28 points if you're a good NFL team. They were 6-0 turnover differential. The rest of those games, they beat the Eagles. They beat the Texans. We, we've talked about their problems. They won by three against the Bears. They beat the Vikings, who aren't in the playoffs. And the Lions have been pummeled by the Cowboys and Giants the previous two weeks, softened up nicely for the Packers to beat them last week. So I'm not on that whole, you know, Green Bay, I'm scared of them. The, yeah, the Giants have trouble scoring, no doubt about it. But Green Bay is one-dimensional. They go as Aaron Rodgers goes. And without a running attack to confuse the Giants, I see the Giants' defense playing very good football. Look what they did in Washington last week in a game that meant nothing to them. Four and a half points is a lot of points. I think this is a low-scoring game. I think somebody with, like, you know, in the old days a barefoot, now it'll be a little black shoe guy, comes out and kicks a field goal, and we get a 2017 game. I don't know which team's winning it, but I'm taking the four and a half points. Um. Yeah, we're seeing this one the same way, too. Hey, well, let me just point something out to you here because uh, I'm with you. Uh, everyone seems to be on that train of, you know, the Packers are hot right now. You don't want to see the Packers this, that, and a third. Packers' last three games, um, they've given up 27, 25, and 24. That's not championship, uh, I'm going to win playoff games type defense, number one. A big part of that is um, while in the first half of this six-game run for the Packers, they found the running game, committed to it, and even when it wasn't doing a whole lot, stayed committed to it and closed out games as uh, they beat the Eagles 27-13, beat the Texans 21-13, beat the Seahawks 38-10. 13-13-10. And 
um, they won the games convincingly. The last three weeks, they've reverted back to their uh, the to the ways that had them in that four game losing streak right before this win. So it was at the Bears, thirty to twenty seven, uh, with the Vikings. Vikings were able to come back and hang around. Then a whole back and forth fist fight with the uh, Detroit Lions. In that game against the Detroit Lions, Abel, the leading rusher, the leading rusher in terms of carries for the Packers was Aaron Rodgers. Ten carries. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. that's... I, I just... Chad, I don't see that. a lot of points in this game. I, I don't see... The Giants will play conservatively uh, like they do. I, I think if the Packers don't have a running game, which there's nothing to lead us to believe that they will... I think they're going to have a hard time moving the ball in the Giants because, you know, if the Giants know you can't run the ball, they have the personnel to stop a passing game if they don't have to respect the run. <laughs> and, uh, you know. The defenses you've seen the last three weeks, talking about Green Bay, this is going to be a totally different animal. And if you're going to come around here with um, giving the ball eight times only to Montgomery, I mean, the Giants are going to be in your face, and this is going to be a very difficult team uh, to, to get rid of if that's what you're planning to do. And the Giants, uh, by the way, 6, 24, and 10. Those are the last three scores against them in the last three weeks. And while they didn't go 3-0, and they did go 2-1. and There's something to be said about the way that they performed last week and what was essentially, as you mentioned, a meaningless game. And I just think the Giants – uh, listen, we should all be spooked by the Giants in the postseason, okay, because they look a certain kind of way in the regular season, and then they're one of those go-in-the-phone-boot type teams – uh, when it comes to the postseason, and I'm going to stick with that. I think the Giants uh, have a really good chance of winning this football game, and as such, if I'm going to get more than a field goal, which I am here at four and a half, I'm going to roll with the Giants in this one. Hey, speaking of that, before we get off the air and you go on your little mini vacation, I've got a, a funny one for you. you. You know you know my affinity for Michael Irvin, and you share that. Okay, they asked him the other day, who – because he, he, he makes no bones about it when he's on TV. He's a Cowboys fan. He tells people that. He calls it we. Okay. Look, Harry who the Miami Hurricanes and the Dallas Cowboys, there's no one else for Michael Irvin. No, he doesn't, he doesn't make like I'm trying to be impartial. I'm a Cowboys fan. I, mean, I can be impartial about the rest of the league, but you know he tells you I'm a Cowboys fan. So. They asked him who the Cowboys should want to play in the next round. You know, I'm not even going to try to do Michael, but you know how emphatic Michael gets. He goes, who do they want to play? It don't matter. He's going. He's young. He goes, I don't care. You're home. You're 13 and three. You were the best team in the regular season. You don't care who you play. You can't think like yeah, that. He's yelling. I can uh, see how that would have went. It doesn't matter who we're going to play in the next round. <laughs> I think we should. Well, he wasn't saying they were going to win. What he was saying is you can't, and he makes a good point. He's like, first of all, you've won the most games in the conference. You've set yourself up to be home the entire playoffs. You have one of the most talented rosters in the league. You can't sit at home watching a game giving a damn who you're going to play because that's just not the way you can think. you just got to say, we are in the best situation to win this, this conference because of what we've done. We're going to go play whoever the hell shows up. You and I don't agree on this part, though. I, if, if, I'm, if I'm the Cowboys, if I'm a Cowboy fan, I don't want to see the New York Giants. Okay, the Giants have something for Dallas. They just know something. You want Green Bay to come in here and hand their running back the ball eight times and Dallas just to out-physical them. I think that's going to be a, that would be a gross mismatch um, in Texas 
um, if the Cowboys were to take on the Packers at home. I, I, I could see a nice little win, possibly a blowout for the Cowboys in a game like that, where they just really get after Aaron Rodgers and the boys, because they're just going to, it's going to be a physical mismatch. The Giants are just not going to get bullied. Uh, by the Cowboys. I just think they know something. I, I understand that. I understand that, but I'm a weird dude like that, and I'm not one of those fans that sits around like like, like trying to uh, draw one of those, you know, what was that game, Candyland, where you used to go through those things when you were a kid. Yeah. I'm not, I don't draw these Candyland courses to the Super Bowl. I want the Giants to play them. That's just what I want to see. I mean, that's that's what I want to see. I'm, I'm, I'm that kind of goofy football fan. Uh, that's what I want yeah. to see. I hear you. Um, when I look at this NFC, I don't want to. I don't know that I want to see someone else um, coming out of this side. You know, I, I I want it to be the Cowboys, and I'm just not sure that that's going to happen if the Giants are the team they've got to go. You know my I feeling. I I think you have to be a monster, Chad. I think your team has to be an absolute monster to beat any team three times, and I think to do it the third time on their field in a playoff game. Look, look at what happened uh, back. You know, People are forgetting they're saying the Giants, the Giants, Giants. Back in 2007 when the Cowboys were in the same position and the Giants walked into Texas Stadium and beat them 21-17 on the way to the Super Bowl, the Cowboys had won both regular season games, and not by one and three points like the Giants beat the Cowboys this year. They beat them by 10 and 11 points in those two games. Yet the Giants won that third game. I just think it's very – and that Cowboys team is my point. The 2007 team was not a monster. It wasn't the 92 Cowboys. So it's very tough to win a third time. And now you're asking the Giants to do it on their field a third time after beating them and by I, one and by three. Yeah, if I could rebut that for you, it's, it's a harder deal if, the, if there were both close games and the Giants won them. And the reason I say that is let's say that – uh, one or two of these losses for the Cowboys against the Giants were blowouts. Let's, let's say the last loss for the Cowboys against the Giants was a blowout. And then you end right. up at home, and uh, you get the upper hand in this game. Um, quickly, you're going to say in your mind, uh, this is different, and uh, we got this. We figured these guys out. But you get in the game against the Giants, and you lost both close games. Um, you you got to get all the way to the end to believe where you are unless you just really, really start you know, running away with the game, because if it gets down to another close one, the bad thoughts are going to be in the heads of the Cowboys, not the Giants. The Giants are going to be able to, you know, we've done this. I I understand. Listen, your point is very valid. I'm just telling you as a fan of sports and football, that's the game I want to see. I want the Cowboys to get to the end, too. You know how much of a homer I am, but I I want that game. You know, it's kind of like Ali Frazier. It needs to happen. Yeah, well, either way, Emil, uh, uh, we predicted that that's what we're going to get, anyway. Isn't that is that not what we predicted? Well, we predict we predict the Giants will play this game close. I mean, I'm not listen. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I I definitely think there's the Giants are winning outright. Do I feel they will? Yes, of course. They're four and a half points. I mean, I I have to feel they can win the game outright, but. I could easily just see this being a typical Packers-Giants three-point game. You're not sure that black boot on the foot is going to be the Giants guy. Yeah, I'm just not sure because, you know, the the other years that the Giants got to the Super Bowl, Eli Manning and them, you know, they had an easier time moving the football. I mean, here's an 11-5 and football team. I want you to think about this. 11-5, and 
They're second or third in the league in points allowed. They haven't scored 30 points in a game this year. Now, think about that. With the turnovers and the stuff their defense has done, they haven't scored 30 points in a game this year. That concerns me. They get behind 10 points in a football game, uh, they might be in trouble. They just, they're not built that way this year. You know what I will tell you? If somehow, someway through the draft, the New York Giants could secure a Dalvin Cook or a Leonard Fournette, look out. That NFC East is going to be something else for the foreseeable future. Well, I agree with you. I just don't see how, you know, if, if I'm the Giants GM this year, if, if their first pick, if, if, if those guys are on the board somehow, or they have a chance to trade up and not take one of those two guys, I think I think it's criminal. Yeah. I, I, I think it's malfeasance of a GM. How's that or whatever word yeah. you want to use? Yeah, no doubt about it. You either taking uh, you know some kind of offensive lineman that can help what you have there now, or you know you know there's always free agency before this whole draft thing. So I, you know I can't off the top of my head think who might be available. How about a well you know the contract. How about if a DeMarco Murray ended up in New York? How about that? Yeah, I just don't understand. I don't know. You know, I don't know. Maybe Tennessee would be looking to put pull some picks in, sure, and, and figure, hey, we have Henry. You know, there's not enough carries here, so you know we can get a, a guy to back up Henry, be his caddy, and get some picks. Sure, I could see something like happen, and for a year or two, he'd be fine. You know, be- before we go any further, I think the thing you've also got to remember is um, Eli Manning has been anything but great this year. I mean, he's got 6.73 yards per attempt. I'm looking at that right here. 26 touchdowns, 16 interceptions, which is a lot in today's league with how good these quarterbacks have become at protecting the football. Um, he's a guy who's 36 years old. He's, he's just turned 36 years old. So we're talking about Tony Romo, you know, being at the end of the line. I mean, he's turning 37 in April. Eli just turned 36. He's only nine months younger than, than Romo. I mean, you know, it's getting – He's getting a little long a tooth is what I'm saying. The Giants need to start thinking about, you know, somewhere in that second, third, fourth round, what is our succession plan here? Because this guy is, is not playing great football like he was five years ago. Uh, just get the guy a running game. So I'm with you. If a Fournette or a Cook is there, that is the pick for those guys. But nevertheless, the draft is uh, sometime after this whole playoff thing. So we'll have to see uh, – how our picks unfold here. We're, we differ on those first two with the same. Hey, we're, we're, uh, we're at opposite ends on Saturday, and we're, uh, we're good friends on Sunday so far as the picks are concerned. Yes, that's right. That's right. So we're going to go 3-1. and one. That's, that's the way it is. We'll both go 3-1, and one and that'll be that. In a perfect world. That's how that goes. All right, well, that's the end of this. Uh, let's call it a podcast, all right, just because, you know, I don't, we didn't really advertise this as a live show, so... Uh, I think the majority of our listeners are going to be listening to this on, uh, uh, to use an 80s term, tape delay. Um, to use the, uh, <laughs> remember the tape delay? Uh, but to yes, use I, the of current, course I remember tape delay. I remember a lot of things. Podcast, podcast, archive version. Either way, whether you're listening to this thing live or you're listening to it on Memorex, uh, go look that one up. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. We thank you for listening. We'll be back on Monday to wrap this whole thing up and see if indeed we did go three and one. For Emil Calamine, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for listening to the Good Iron Stud Show. Enjoy your weekend. Of some stranger's hand in a desperate land. 
recruits out there. You want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. we got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up. And let yourself be seen.